Women Today. Fastamai, good afternoon. It's Tuesday. It's just gone seven minutes past two. like to be a little bit different sometimes. And this is Women Today on Manx Radio FM with me, Beth Espy. And me, Christy Dehaven. And on the show today, we're going to be learning about stroke awareness and prevention as the annual Awareness Month draws to a close. Also today, these two women are pretty used to extreme fundraising. I've done walking on hot coals and normal things that you do, sponsored silences and <laughs> sponsored walks and things, but this is a little bit different. We do daft stuff like the tin bath races and all of that. Yeah, we did get pushed down the promenade in a wheelie bin a couple of years ago. I love the fact that she said um, walking on hot coals, the usual things you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this Sunday, they are going to be doing something that quite literally will be life changing. Find out what that is later. And also, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. Well, everything is awesome at the University of Cambridge because they have introduced their first ever Lego Professor of Play. As ever this afternoon, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got any thoughts, comments or questions, you can text us. It's 166-177. Email the studio, studio at manxradio.com. Or you can go to Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag MRWomenToday. And as I mentioned, May is Stroke Awareness Month. And the real aim over the past few weeks has been to improve stroke prevention and, crucially, recognition so people who've had a stroke can get medical treatment as quickly as possible. Jill Horsey is the lead nurse uh, for stroke with the Department of Health health and uh, Jill thank you so so much for being with us this afternoon you you look a little nervous hey, it's going to be fine it's going to be fine it's fine, fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so I mean I was talking about the fact it's about raising awareness it's about in- improving prevention let's just go back to basics if you like first of all and can you just explain exactly what a stroke is yeah I mean so a stroke is when an area of your brain dies so it can die for multiple reasons but they're normally through a blockage or through a bleed in one of the vessels within your head and that bit of brain doesn't tend to recover, but we have parts of our brain that sit around and do nothing, and we teach that to do what the dead bit used to do in part of the recovery from stroke. So in, ter- in that regard then, are there different types of stroke that you can have? Yeah, lots of different types. The main two are what they call ischemic, which is uh, like from a blockage, or um, are hemorrhagic. But you can also have other types which bleed into the areas around the brain as well. And is there a, a particular cause? Is there something that that we know is is the main contributory factor? Yeah, well, there's two types of factors. There's things you can change and things you can't. So the things you can change are your lifestyle. So smoking, exercise, drinking, um, all those things will help reduce our risk of stroke, healthy lifestyles. But actually the things you can't change is getting older. So being over 65 is high risk for stroke uh, and unfortunately being female. Yes, I was just going to ask, actually, is it true that women are more susceptible? <laughs> yeah, it's part in to do with the fact that women live longer, so they have more strokes, so there's a higher risk. But also, women are more susceptible uh, to heart disease and things if they smoke, so it's exactly the same kind of risk factors for stroke. And uh, childbirth as well? Is there something to do with childbirth? Uh, you can have uh, strokes in childbirth. Our clotting in our body changes when we're pregnant. So, yes, you can get a result as, as uh, a stroke as a result of childbirth, but um, luckily they're fairly rare. Okay, so the main thing then, if you suspect somebody has suffered a stroke, is to get them help as soon as possible. Yeah. How do you know it has happened to someone? So the big promotion through the Stroke Association and, and the message we sell is the FAST campaign, so looking for facial weakness, 
Um, can they smile? Uh, is their face equal? Uh, arm weakness. So if the, you hold both hands up, does one arm fall to the ground before the other one? And speech. Seeing if when they're speaking, are they slurring their words? Do the words they use make sense? Do they understand the words you mo- words that you use? And then phoning 999. So it's uh, face, arm, speech and times for fast. And I mean, you talk about the fact that the, the part of the brain that dies doesn't really recover. So are you always left with some long term effect after you've had one? No, it very much depends on which part of the brain died, uh, how quickly you can get help. So now there are treatments out there that can help reverse the effects of tro- stroke if people come to hospital quickly enough. We can give medication that actually dissolves the clot and can re reperfuse, get the blood back into that area of the brain. Um, but also your age. So the younger you are, the more, we call it plastic, so the more responsive your brain is, so the quicker you recover, the better your recovery. I mean, you talked about the fact that getting older is is one of the the main causes, but it does happen to really young people. It does happen to really young people. So you can actually have a uh, a stroke in the womb as much as you can have a stroke when you're 90. Like I say, they're rarer and people adapt better when they're younger, but um, yeah, you can have a stroke at any age. We were talking in the room there before we came on about the fact that um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about strokes. And I'm going to ask you more about that in a second. But interestingly, I wanted to raise an article with you. And it is one of those misinformation articles. So I'm just going to mention it because there was something in the press recently. um, There was an Australian neurologist who was saying that women have a unique way of presenting the signs of stroke and she was saying rather than it being uh, the difficulty speaking drooping on one side of the face like you were suggesting she was saying oh well actually uh, they'd have generalised weakness fatigue, mental status changes and reduced consciousness. Now you were saying that's not true (laughs) No, Now, I mean specific particular types of stroke may present those symptoms but the reality is stroke affects one side of your brain and our right hand side of our brain controls our left hand side of our body so it causes symptoms on the opposite side that general fatigue that general malaise we would be looking for something else that's causing those problems and it it's not specific to women at all so in terms of of knowing your own risk factor presumably i mean obviously you know if you're drinking too much or smoking too much but um keeping an eye on your blood pressure is is key i suppose to, to keeping on top of it yeah we do lots of campaigns with the stroke association and the max stroke foundation so there's a know your own blood pressure campaign and we'll be at various places all throughout the year um on the island we've recently done the doi where we just go we take staff's blood pressure or people's blood pressure and we provide them advice on anything they may do to act on that to prevent a stroke at those events we also do something called the act first campaign as well which is about an abnormal heart rhythm called atrial fibrillation that is a massive risk factor for stroke and if we can treat people with af before they get to a stroke, then actually we will have a significant impact on the bigger strokes as people with the abnormal heart rhythm tend to have the larger, more debilitating strokes. And would you recommend, I don't know, taking something like an aspirin every day, which is obviously reduces clotting? No, you're shaking your head at me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't take medication routinely unless there's a good clinical need for it. And if your GP thinks that that's a benefit to you, then absolutely that's the right thing to do. But just doing it off our own back, nothing doesn't have side effects. And we shouldn't put ourselves at risks of the side effects of medication because we think it might help with another part. You should always do these things under good clinical guidance. So from what you've said, Jill, I mean, there must be a fair few people affected by stroke here on the island. 
Yeah, unfortunately, we have a higher percentage of strokes on the Isle of Man than our equivalent UK populations. And we don't really know why that is. It isn't just age related. We have a lot of strokes uh, under the age of 65. So in the UK, one in four people under the age of 65 uh, are affected by stroke. Our Isle of Man statistics are one in three. Wow, that's... Yeah, it's a lot higher. And in terms of of support available over here for anyone who's had one or anyone uh, who's caring for somebody, what is that? Yeah, we're quite well served with our local charity. So the Manx Stroke Foundation are absolutely superb. And actually without them, Stroke Association wouldn't exist on the Isle of Man and my job wouldn't exist. They campaigned for years to get an effective stroke service. So they've done an awful lot uh, for stroke on the island. They offer not just financial assistance, but they also offer carer support, um, just social activities and getting you out of the house more than anything else as well. We have uh, two life after stroke coordinators as well on the island who work in the community. They work for the Stroke Association, but the Department of Health commissioned them. And they're there to uh, get people access to the right services, just to listen to their concerns. They run support groups. They do all sorts of things. And then obviously there's myself and the hospital team who at the minute we're doing a pilot where uh, when somebody's discharged with a stroke, we provide six weeks of therapy within their own home as they would have got within the hospital. And hopefully that's something that will end up being a permanent fixture. And how likely are you, I'm going to guess it depends on what kind of and severity of stroke you have, <laughs> yeah. but how likely are you to be able to return to, you know, sort of some semblance of, of normality? Yeah, normality is a, I, I think it's a very diff- difficult word and subject. I would say, and I'm sure Sean would agree with me, that um, you're never the same after you've suffered something like this. Even if you regain full function and everything's okay it changes you it's the proverbial bus so you get hit by the bus and you never quite look at the world the same way and I mean I class myself really fortunate I deal with people who've been hit by this bus and the strength in human nature to then overcome it that I get to see on a daily basis is very humbling for me and I um, I think recovery from stroke is often in not only just gaining function back, but also accepting disabilities that don't necessarily make you less able or they don't necessarily change you negatively. And that's actually a big part of my job is getting people to see that even with a disability after their stroke, they're still very amazing, useful people. Well, you mentioned Sean. Let's meet Sean now. Thank you so much for being um, with us, Sean Wilde. Um, You had a stroke back in August 2015. Tell us what happened. Basically, I woke up one morning and then felt sick and light-handed. And um, a few hours later, I started to slam my words a bit like now. <laughs> and um, my mum called 999. And... And when from there? I mean, we were talking about the fact that this does happen to young people. How old were you, Sean? I was uh, 14. That's amazing. So um, you went to hospital, and uh, how serious was mm. it? Mm. It was... Um, mm. Okay. Okay, Jill, I mean, it is obviously... It was a serious stroke. Are you all right for me to say? Yeah. So he, Sean had part of his brain stem affected, which meant he had something called locked-in syndrome, which is very rare. 
but equally as rare to be able to break out from it as Sean has and the recovery he's made is fairly incredible really is I mean he's back to work and you know just you were talking about the strength of character it really is incredible yeah yeah and it it helped Sean he was such a fit healthy man and he had a very healthy mind well you still do don't you (laughs) does a lot of yoga and we think that's actually made such a difference I think yeah, yeah, and uh, a bit of a fan of uh, Liverpool. Should we mention that now? No, <laughs> no. we've all got our flaws. <laughs> so just explain a little bit so that people know, because I think it's an incredible recovery you've mm. had. So just explain a bit about what lo- locked-in syndrome actually means mm. for us. Basically, I couldn't speak or move anything mm. at all. Only my uh, eyes. Wow. And Joe, mm. you were saying that um, it's incredibly rare for people to break out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people, unfortunately, don't make it for through the first few months because your breathing's affected mm. as much as all your other muscle control. So, um, Sean, just you spent mm. three months actually just moving your eyes, didn't you? Was unable to do anything else for three months. But his strength of character and his determination meant that after three months just started little movements in the fingers we were all so excited (laughs) and then it just went on from there and you went over to Liverpool for the big part of your rehabilitation to a specialist centre seven months yeah yeah wow and you were saying it's you're saying how rare it is is you're one of only 15 people in the world (laughs) Sean yeah that's incredible absolutely incredible and you also said, Jill, how much um, of an impact Sean's recovery has been to everyone at the hospital that, that's, that's dealt with him. Yeah, I think you get, unfortunately, a little used to... We, we kind of accept being ill as we get older. We've got wear and tear in our bodies. It's a thing that happens to all of us. And it doesn't change that we don't try and get people better and fight for them. But I think to always be faced by your own mortality of somebody, your own age... Uh, who does similar things to you in life is always a little bit of a surprise and across the hospital you touched a lot of people who still Mm. check and make sure he's doing okay Mm. and want to know that he's still progressing because actually it it, it means so much to them to know that that's out there. Well can't tell you how lovely it is to have both of you with us this afternoon thank you so much for taking the time to be here we'll talk a little bit more about what's been happening um, for stroke awareness month on the island a little bit later you're listening to women today it's 22 minutes past two now i'm going to be perfectly (laughs) honest um but yes anyway we'll put all those details about how you can uh, sponsor Jeanette and leone on the women today facebook page 29 minutes to three we've been taking uh, talking about stroke awareness um as we approach the end of stroke awareness month and jill horsey and uh, sean wilder with us um jill you are the the lead nurse for stroke here in the isle of man what exactly does your day job involve yeah i have a great job in fairness i love my job <laughs> so um i am fortunate enough to be involved in the entire stroke pathway so i We'll meet people in uh, accident and emergency uh, if, when they come in through, via ambulance. And I'll see them all the way up to two, three years post-discharge as long as they need me. So my job is to coordinate their care, make sure they receive the treatment they need, uh, support their family, make sure the right disciplines and things are involved. But I also lead the service, so the service development, making sure we keep with the times, we move forward and we're getting all the right information and support in place for people. And we were talking um, at the start of the show about how 
crucial it is really to, to detect stroke early and get help as soon as possible. What if that doesn't happen? Well, um, if it doesn't happen, so if people don't get help very quickly, we, we're limited on the immediate treatments we can give them. And people do better in recovery from stroke if they can get either into hospital or into what they call organised stroke care. So for us, that's our stroke ward. And, and that's not just for the medication we can give them, but that's because the complications of stroke are very specific to strokes, such as problems with your swallow and chest infections and muscle spasms in things like your bladder and the staff on the ward are well trained to help deal with them and they improve people's outcomes at six months if they can get hold of them nice and quickly. And you were saying as well that you have um, great connections with Walton as well. So if anything, anyone needs sort of specialist treatment, like for instance, you were talking about with Sean, yeah. then they, they can go there. Yeah, so uh, Walton Neurocentre is our local specialist centre, for want of a better phrase for them. And they, uh, they're they absolutely superb. They're very responsive to us asking them any questions. But also, if people need uh, further rehabilitation or more specialist rehabilitation, then uh, they people, they're happy to refer them and then take them when they're able to. And Sean was a really good case for that. Yeah. I was there for seven months and uh, they were great. I couldn't speak more highly of them yeah wow and it sounds uh, like they'd speak very highly of you as well you were <laughs> instrumental in um, in starting things like the art group as well there wasn't he jill yeah so when he came back i just got this list of things he'd been involved in <laughs> and then he could pops out in their neuro matters magazine and he was in everything i think his mom couldn't keep him still uh, what speaking uh, of, oh, go ahead <laughs> i'm going to say even though I'm useless and art. <laughs> <laughs> Still encouraging others, though. Uh, you mentioned obviously being there for such a long time, for seven months, and you mentioned you know sort of family there. What sort of support is there for family? Could they could they be over there with they you at any point? They can stay on site upstairs. There's about I think there's um, seven rooms, and they can stay there uh, as long as they want. Yeah. So that's a very handy and obviously saves money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. And it's really important, isn't it, Jill, to have the support of people around you as well during what is an incredibly difficult time. Yeah, it makes it so much better if your family are with you, but also if they're a little strict as well. So uh, it does you the world of good for your family to say, no, I'm not going to do that for you. You you need to do this. So we're all probably guilty, us included, of, of probably caring and fussing too much sometimes. And actually one of the key things in stroke recovery is, is getting on with it. So I talk about that thing where patients get hit by this bus well if you'd been hit by a bus they'd let you lie in bed and they'd let you have a bit of rest and recuperation but actually when you have a stroke and you come into us we go oh I'm sorry you can't lie in bed you'll need to get up now please and some physio and OT will come along and they'll start getting you moving because the sooner you move the the more you do the better your recovery is so yeah you don't get a chance to chill out and relax so your family being strong for you in terms of getting you to be as independent as possible is so important important and speaking of being independent with Sean now being back at work um, and you're at Crow Morgan aren't you what what sort of um, support have they been there for you because that's important too isn't it Um, they've been fantastic and uh, offered any kind of support that I need and so if there's uh, anything I want 
I can have. They've been fantastic. So, um, just thinking about rehabilitation and sort of getting that sense of normality back in your life, Jill. I mean, are you ever left with any sort of emotional legacy um, with regard to going through this? Can your effect on mood, for example? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so post-stroke depression uh, or emotional changes after a stroke affects over 60% of people who've had it. So it's really normal and doesn't tend to occur in the initial period. The initial period, you're very busy, lots of people around you doing lots of things. It's when you perhaps go home and you recognise that you are more different than perhaps you reckon, thought you were and actually post-stroke depression is really it, it's really high on our kind of things to look for and make sure we're supporting people through and you ha- people almost have to grieve for who they were to be able to start accepting and moving on with how they are but also it affects your ability to control your emotions so some people may cry very easily and not be able to control that and other people may laugh hysterically all the time and not be able to control that i saw your hand go up in the corner there (laughs) (laughs) and and yeah and that can be quite socially isolating at times if you think that somebody says hello and they're nice to you and then suddenly you're crying and it it, it, it's it's quite a hard thing to say well i'm just going to do it anyway because it's okay that i do do and that's why it's so important isn't it to have awareness months where you're kind of talking about this sort of thing and people recognize it and and are are more comfortable with it Um, we've had a a text from brian who says i had a tia in 2012 i'm okay now apart from some memory loss i didn't know it was the awareness months in may recognition of tia is important in my opinion i knew because i'd done a first aid course a few years before some people might have dismissed a funny turn um which is a really good point just explain what a tia is for us so tia is a what they call a transient ischemic attack and actually funny turns a great um, term for it because it's part of a national campaign campaign that says it's not just a funny turn so it's uh, it's almost like your warning sign for stroke so people get uh, little bits of angina for heart attacks and things TIAs are the same for stroke they're very small blockages that cause transient effects so things that may last a few seconds to a few hours and then they go away so what you find when people have had a stroke is they'll come in and they'll say oh my arm did go numb a few times but I just thought I'd caught it on something and I gave it a shake or I went to bed and it went away and actually there if you can treat them at that point you can hopefully prevent the main event happening and prevent strokes occurring so if you do have these episodes see GP we have rapid access clinics where we assess and see people within 72 hours to help prevent that stroke occurring and how closely after you've had a TIA would you be monitored after that in what terms, in long sorry. term so would you keep having to go for regular checkups to make sure everything was okay shouldn't do in the initial phase we'll do a series of investigations but your GP would then uh, we do the initial things looking at your brain looking at the vessels that supply your head giving you the right preventative medication uh, information about lifestyle changes and then they're the things that your GPs are absolutely superb at you know that kind of long term blood pressure management and things and, and so we would work with them for them to carry that on so we are talking about this because May is um, the awareness month. What sort of things have been happening over here, Jill? Yeah, so we've done quite a bit this year. We decided we, we needed to do more about it. Um, and our biggest thing was we did the Step Out for Stroke Walk. So we 
set it up thinking, you know, 20 people come, family and friends, it'd be absolutely lovely. And then we thought, well, 50 would be a good turnout. Then 184 turned up, (laughs) which really took us by surprise. And I mean, it was amazing to see this sea of purple. And we had all sorts of people. We had people who'd had a stroke themselves who could only do short distances. Uh, People who'd lost somebody from a stroke as well. Uh, other people doing it just for themselves because they'd been affected by stroke. So it was just, it was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I mean, ShopRite sponsored us for doing that and gave us water and things for it. And loads of local companies were really good with it. Rehab Lab Physio came along and did a warm up session. And I, I still can't get over how many people <laughs> were there and how amazing it looked. I, I'm still in shock from it all. <laughs> Well, brilliant. We are talking um, about stroke awareness and we're with Jill and Sean. You're listening to Women Today on Manx Radio. It's 20 to 3 now. Uh, now, Jill, you've got two boys. Are they into yes. Lego? Oh, yeah, massively. Really? Yeah, they're nine and ten and they've spent years building Lego. And yeah, it's everywhere. I think I fell out of love with Lego the moment I walked into one of my stood son's on. bedrooms yeah. and stood on it in the dark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not good. That's really not good. And the other thing is, yeah, um, if we go back to the Lego movie, those who have seen it, I possibly would be the person who would glue it together. You spend all that time <laughs> and you follow the instructions and for them just to tear it apart in seconds. I'm yeah, sorry. That's, that's really annoying. Son. <laughs> but you could be creating the future, engineers of the future here because, I, I, you know, I know certainly my nephews are massively into Lego and they're creating these fantastic structures, you know, sort of bridges and car parks and all kinds of things. Between that and Meccano, I think we've got some engineers on our hands there. But it's true, it is, like you said, it is sort of, it sort of has a serious background to this because there is the idea that it's helping investigate child mental health and how important play is, which we've talked about on the show before with um, Chris from the uh, Children's Centre. He's been on talking to us about that. So I will genuinely be interested to see what they find out or if he does just basically sit in his office all day and, and play with Lego. Um, Howard wonders if the professor will have 50 15-minute work time breaks every morning and afternoon. <laughs> I will ask him for you, Howard. <laughs> yeah. No, it is interesting. You know, and Lego, it is great. I'm sure it is great. The thing is, we don't ever need to buy any more sets. All I need are the little booklets to make it because we have a box big enough to make a Lego anything. I'm mm. convinced. Absolutely convinced. Were you really into Lego? I loved Lego. Yeah, I really loved really? it as a kid. But now, now, I think a lot of it seems to be done for you like you can get those sets where there's bits of it already constructed brilliant or you, like, love that okay I'm a massive fan of Star Wars <laughs> and you can, but you can buy sort of the Star Wars things mostly constructed already so that mm-hmm. seems like a bit yep. of a cheat to no. me no 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 it saves you hours <laughs> save you absolutely <laughs> hours and then when you drop it on the floor and some child takes it somewhere else and you can't find that last piece and oh no there's no fun there there's no fun oh Beth I feel for you. I think you're missing out here. I really do. And do we have to have girl and boy Lego? This is another discussion. No. Right? no. But then you have these pink Lego sets that, you know, would a boy, would any of your boys play with a pink Lego set? I don't admit to what my children have for fear of them disowning me. <laughs> you have to tell us in a moment. 14 minutes to three. today. Uh, we have been talking about uh, Stroke Awareness Month that's been happening uh, for the past few weeks here in the Isle of Man and loads of things going on around the island. We were talking about uh, the walk that was on the promenade that uh, nearly 200 people took part in. There were talks all around the place. I mean, that raised a, a significant amount of money, Jill. Uh, yeah, I think so. We haven't had a final figure on it all yet, but um, our, it wasn't actually our aim this year. We were just wanted to raise the profile of stroke and raise awareness rather than raise money and people 
typical for the Isle of Man, overly generous. They just give it without even being asked. So, yeah. And if anybody has been listening and they're affected by anything that we've been talking about, they're worried about themselves, they're worried about someone else, what would you suggest is their their first port of call? Uh, Well, there's two websites they could get in touch with. So there's the Stroke Association, which is www.stroke.org.uk, or there's the Manx Stroke Foundation, which is www.manxstrokefoundation.org Wonderful, and we'll put those uh, details on the Women Today blog. Um, Jill and Sean, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I should point out that um, Sean was walking up the steps here and, and we were sort of saying, oh, you know, are you okay? But you actually work on the sixth floor and don't bother taking the lift. No. Just um, bumping up the stairs very slowly. <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> Uh, Jill, Sean, thank you so much for being with us today. On the programme tomorrow, it's a Conister Rock special and our guest will be Derek Flint, who's just retired after nearly 30 years in the police force. So please do join us for that.